Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the films Garden State and Wish I Was Here. You don't have to have seen either film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do proceed and listen without having seen it, just be aware that the plots will be spoiled for you. Enjoy. These words are my own. Oh, yeah. oh, hey, hey, wait, you got to listen to this song, it'll change your life. I am looking forward to Christmas. Very much looking forward to Christmas. Am I going to get some boring dullards on my arm? Can like furious about me mentioning Christmas before December and going, oh, it comes too early every year. Blah, blah, blah. Yep, your, absolutely. Your, your Christmas tree should go up on December the 24th and not a day before. And Christmas, Christmas has become far too commercialized. Yep. That's the that's the true the true viewpoint of a real man. <laughs> you can't even say Christmas anymore. You've got to say Happy Holidays. I've taken away Christmas and our Easter eggs. Now it's a holiday egg. Yep. I th- actually, Easter's a weird word. I think holiday egg sounds great. It sounds like you crack it open and you get tickets to Tenerife or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Give me a holiday egg any day. Yeah, I'd I'd definitely be down for that. Yeah, my dad he's probably relaxed now, but he used to say that with Christmas trees you had, you couldn't buy it any earlier than the thirteenth because it's or the twelfth yeah the thirteenth because it's supposed to be twelve days either side of Christmas Day because you take it down at the Epiphany which is twelve days after Christmas Day, so it's like it was bad luck to put it up before then. I can see, I can see. Um, I'm getting everything Christmas related on pretty much on the 1st of December. Yeah, that's it. It's almost like a mini Christmas in and of itself, isn't it? You know, you you flick through the channels and you're finally allowed to actually, you know, stay on Christmas 24 rather than skipping past it and pretending it's not there, even though it's been there since sort of mid-September. You know, it's it's a festival. Yeah, get on board. A festivus for the rest of us. (laughs) Yeah, just... uh... Yeah, just get get on board. Embrace embrace the destruction of the true meaning of Christmas. Yep. And just buy loads of tat and have fun. Yeah. Christmas is a time when all religions come together to worship Jesus Christ, of course. Yes, precisely. Speaking of Jesus Christ, have you heard that Kanye West did an opera? Did he? Yeah. Um at some big like theatre in Hollywood. And apparently it was terrible, and it lasted fifty minutes, and like they were tickets were really expensive, and then you couldn't, they, he couldn't even sell them. They were selling them for like twenty dollars on the night, and apparently it was terrible, but also such a display of hilarious hubris that it sort of was transcendent. I don't know. <laughs> I'm down with that. It's about one of the books of the Bible. Although I thought that we'd already had a hip hop opera. Yeah, yeah. What you mean, R. Kelly's trapped in the closet? Yes. I was going to say we should talk about we dedicate an episode to talking about that, but he's a very bad man, and I don't want to legitimise his work by doing that. Yeah, he is a incredibly awful human being, which is a shame because it is a, a truly a sight to behold. If you've never seen it, just go on YouTube and look at it. You'll probably end up with the clip where it goes. Not only is there a man in the cupboard. But the man is a midget. 
Midget. Yes. Midget. Midget. Um, put it on. Make sure you've got ad block on so he doesn't get any of the sweet, sweet ad revenue money from YouTube. Oh, jeez. And, uh, yeah. Is he still living off his, his YouTube money? Isn't he in prison? Is he in prison now? He fucking should be. <laughs> There's a lot of people who should be in prison who aren't. Yeah, looking at you, Michael um, Gove. <laughs> Old Mike. Yeah. To his friends, which we are not, so we call him Michael. Yep. Mike to his buddies, his mates, his friends who <laughs> laugh at his jokes. Known. Uh, he has no friends. Yep. But then again, there's lots of bad human beings around. There certainly are. But Christmas is a time when we come together to ignore all those people and hang out with only the good people and, you know, celebrate the good things, which is also what Americans do on Thanksgiving, which we just had, but we don't have that. So Christmas, there it is. It's good. It's time to be good. Yeah. Do you want... Um... Would you want some kind of Thanksgiving over here? I don't know. It seems like a nice idea in principle. It is nice. I'm not sure what we would give thanks to. Yeah. Give thanks to Boris. We're a, we're a nation of bastards. <laughs> well, then we give thanks to the bastards, I suppose. <laughs> thanks to me. Yep. Yeah, thank, get, just gather around the table. Thank yourself. Give yourself a pat on the back. I truly am a very good bastard. This <laughs> is the British way. at being selfish. Yeah. Hey, you know who's incredibly good at being selfish? Who? Every character Zach Braff has ever played on screen. <laughs> we should jump okay. in because we've got to... two films to get through. So we didn't we have do... an episode last week because my son was ill. We just kept putting it off, putting it off. And that's what happens. So yeah, it's the Zach Braff special. Two Zach Braff films. Can you contain your excitement? <laughs> it is It is certainly a special movie. I am just going to, I'm going to establish, I'm going to be a fact checker here for you, Paddy. Fact check UK. I'm fact-checked Zach Braff. I'm going to see if you are correct in your assessment that every character he's played is selfish. Because the ones that come to mind, he definitely is. I suppose there's there's two ways that you can look at JD and Scrubs, in that often he's a selfish individual, but at times he's not, because he's... I used to love Scrubs, did you? I, yeah, I like Scrubs. I still think it's got its moments. There was a time, I think we must have been around year 10, when it was really, really popular. Everyone at school had it, and like a few of us had the different DVD box sets. I got a couple of them for Christmas, someone else got a couple of them for Christmas, and we all pooled our resources and were able to watch all of Scrubs on DVDs on laptops in tiny rooms. And that was how we had it back then. But I remember just feeling it was so... It was like nothing else I'd ever seen. It was just so funny, but so poignant, and it kind of nailed that in a way that appeals to people in their mid to late teens, I think. But he was he was good in that at first. I mean, it really started to tail off towards the end. But I'd still, you know, I don't want to hate him because of Scrubs still. Yeah, I think Scrubs had that same issue as a lot of shows do, where it went on for too long and it got a bit lost along the way. But if you look at really the first half, at least, of Scrubs's, um, Scrubs's sort of lineup almost, you look at those first five seasons or however many they got through, it's genuinely still incredibly funny television. Yeah. And there, there, there's there's moments of it that I still think about every now and again and laugh at, um, which I think is a sign of a really good TV show. And I, I remember, I used to watch it all the time back on Channel 4 and E4, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but then it was constantly on E4 when I was at university. So 
it used to be one of those things that just happens to be on. Yeah, you'd always you'd switch on the TV, you'd always know you'd get an episode of Scrubs, or probably two, you'd get an episode of Gilmore Girls at some point as well. Yes, yeah. But yeah, there is that issue of him playing lots of jerks. Yeah, and seeming to enjoy it as well. I mean, he did the voice of Chicken Little. And is there chicken... a bigger bastard on film than Chicken Little? <laughs> well, Chicken Little is a genuine jerk. Yeah. Like, he Have is a jerk it? chicken. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he's an arsehole, Chicken Little. He's yeah, a, he's, what did he do a, to you? He fucking stole my girlfriend, is what he did. Did he? Yeah, bastard. Oh, man, I'm sorry. That's I don't mean, mean that in the metaphorical little. sense either. I mean, he literally ran up and then put a bag over her and ran away. Oh, right. Thankfully, because he is a, a chicken, couldn't really get very far. <laughs> yeah, but he did his best. He did his best, but he did it best at being a twat, which is what he is. Chicken yep. little, what a dick. He's terrible, um, and Zach Braff voiced him. So, yes. Yeah, that's a questionable, questionable <laughs> choice. Um, um, he voiced Frank in Oz the Great and Powerful. Clearly selfish. <laughs> Obviously. I've not seen that. I don't know if it's... Me neither. Is it a sequel to The Wizard of Oz? It's a prequel. A prequel. Yeah. um, It was a prequel. And apparently it's quite interesting, but not entirely successful. Sounds like my kind of film. James Franco. Yes, yeah. Mila Kunis. Rachel Weisz. All right. I'm listening. Yeah, you know, there's some some things to, to get behind there. Um, But yeah, his main roles though he plays jerks i guess um and so we've looked at two of his movies now i don't think we've looked at the movie where he is the biggest jerk so there is time for a another zach braff special where we can look at some other zach braff movies yeah yeah. let's Um, let's not um let's not use up all our zach braff content at once no no we're going to get desperate eventually aren't we we're going to want to revisit the Zaxter, as you know, I believe he's It's known. not like the, the Zaxter. <laughs> not the Braffman. <laughs> the Braffman. The Braffinator. Um, but but we're, we're looking at, apart from Scrubs, his most well-known role first. So we're looking at Garden State. Um, Andrew and, uh, Largeman. Andrew Largeman plays a man who is not large. Another reason that he's a jerk, because he's lying through his sheer name. Yeah. But no, nobody's called that. I know I love to say that about any name in film, but nobody's called Andrew Largeman. Largeman is not a surname. I'm I'm going to fact check you again here. If All right, I put in, come on then. If I... Yeah, when I make those kind of claims, it's your job to <laughs> fact check me. And I'm not going to do the same for you because I don't care. So Francis Largeman Roth is a nutritionist from the looks of it. Okay. So Largeman is a surname that is used by other people apart from Zach Braff's character in this. So I think, unfortunately, you may well not be accurate. God damn it. Well, this has ruined my day. (laughs) There's also, of course, the German equivalent, Grossman. Grossman. Oh, that that is a a well-known surname, actually. Which is a surname. So, uh, yeah, I'm afraid you have come up as a fail on the the first one i feel it is, uh, incon- inconclusive on the first question of whether zach braff purely plays jerks but on the second one i'm afraid that is a fail against you and we will be writing in with um amendments on on page 17 of the next big boys newsletter yeah which goes out uh never <laughs> but 
Andrew Largeman is a bit of a jerk, isn't he? Yeah, he's an ass. So he is a um, he's a he's an actor. He's trying as an actor in. He's uh, a failing in actor. L.A. It's a uh, tailor's oldest time. <laughs> it is. Uh, you know what I love? I love movies about how it's hard to be an actor. Yeah. That don't really do anything with it in any interesting way. What's really good is like when writers write about writing because like it's all that they know about and they say you should write what you know, right? So it's like when actors act about acting, that's <laughs> that's all he knows how to do. So we should let him do it, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, like we all know that Natasha Bedingfield's These Words, a song about writing a song about how much you love someone and writing a song about them, is the ultimate song. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let I me, don't know let if me, I've heard it. Let me quote from you the great lyric. I genuinely love These Words by Natasha Bedingfield. Natasha Bedingfield. Unwritten, is a, obviously. She is, a, she is a wonderful musician and I will stand her. Um, so here we go. The lyrics to these words. Through yeah, some it, cords to... All poetic, like. Like in um, Wish I Was Here when the daughter stands up on the, the diving board and reads that poem apropos of nothing. Yes. Uh, through some chords together, the combination D, E, F. It's who I am. It's what I do. And I was going to lay it down for you. I'm trying to focus my attention, but I feel so ADD. I need some help, some inspiration but it's not coming easily. Wow. That's good. It does it does cite reading Byron, Shelley and Keats recited over a hip hop beat. Cool, cool. I'm down with is, that. Uh yeah. Uh, give it a listen. There's a there's some sassiness to it. It's a good song. I love it when ADD is used as an adjective. <laughs> that makes loads of sense to me. Like OCD. Yeah, are... yeah, I love it. It's def- definitely politically correct and not at all offensive <laughs> to people who've actually suffered with it. Definitely not. Definitely yeah. not. Um, so yeah, anyway, right. So um, yeah, he's a he's a he's an actor who's not finding it too easy to act. Um, but he has to go home because his mum's died. Yeah. Um, so he goes back to his small town, but then things don't go as expected. Small instead, town in the Garden State, indeed. Which is Garden Yana, yeah. isn't it? God Gardenia. Gardenia. <laughs> yeah. And he's come there from Los Angeles, where all actors live. Yeah. So, so his, yeah, so his, uh, so his mum has died um, and he has to return home. Um, and in that time, he rekindles friendships with, with old friends um, and uh, sort of has to come to terms with the changing family dynamic uh the history of his own troubled past and um of course falls in love yep he meets the lady in the doctor's waiting room yes and this movie i think is it's safe to say that it was a real fan favorite when we were at university which i think we we shared a little bit in the last episode didn't we yeah we did i mean i had very little recollection of actually the details of the film itself when I watched it again this time, but I do feel like I watched it around that time and thought it was good. I thought it was okay, and I was like, yeah, this is good. But I think I'd already heard of it through actually the bands who were on the soundtrack whose music I like, like The Shins and whatever. I still think The Shins are a really, really good band, and it's kind of unfortunate that they're associated with this very irritating film. (laughs) But, um, But at the same time, I don't necessarily think The Shins would have reached as wide an audience if it wasn't for this film because this movie is kind of defined by its sound really 
Yeah. Um, and it really propelled a lot of bands that were very much in the independent scene um, into worldwide appeal. So the Shins, you know, this 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 US based indie rock band, um, really intricate sound, um, got well deserved success off the back of this. And I remember a lot of people got into the Shins after watching this movie. Yeah, for sure. And obviously the the Iron and Wine version of Such Great Heights by the Postal Service. Love that. And, you know, also until um, until this film came out, nobody had heard of Simon and Garfunkel. No, of course not. Who? Yeah. Simon and what? Yeah, they... I thought a, that was a Garfunkel? talking cat. Yeah, no, no. Gar- Garfunkel's... It's a restaurant, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, Carly Simon and... <laughs> And Garfield Garfunkel. Garfield Garfunkel. Yeah. Yeah. He he hates lasagna and he's going to sing to you about it. (laughs) He hates lasagna. He loves chips, which is why he goes to Garfunkel's restaurant. (laughs) He loves chips and endless salad. Oh, no, that's um, that's Harvester. Ah, Harvester. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, right. So, yeah. yeah, So, So, this movie. Good soundtrack. It has a a really good soundtrack. And I think it really tapped into that low-key indie kind of mumble corey feel that was prominent at the time and it made it very accessible to a lot of people who'd never really come across that scene before of which i Um, think i was probably one i mean i I don't think i'd seen many films that were like this actually that were sort of deadpan and dry in their approach and that presented um you know that kind of male ennui in that way i so for me at the time i was like okay this is different this is this is supposedly good i guess i like this and i identify with it and as a you know a man of well 18 to 19 years old i i can see where it's coming from right and i would like to have that kind of romance where a girl just pops headphones onto my head and says this song will change your life yes and it really tapped it really tapped into that need and it's it found an audience like and and part of that was because you know Zach Braff was a huge name because of Scrubs at the time but it also it reached out and it 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 it's almost like the mumblecore equivalent of the Blair Witch project i suppose where the Blair Witch project whatever you think of the movie and i'm personally i'm a i'm a big fan of it um but whatever you think of the quality of the film it tapped into being in the right place at the right time so it was at that cross section of where the internet was really taking off in a mainstream way where but where it wasn't at the point of cynicism where people would point out this is an obvious fake so by having this legitimacy around it and all the rumor mills saying that it was a real movie um it helped create this almost zeitgeist moment where the Blair Witch Project was the perfect film for culture at that specific time. And I think Garden State has a similar thing where the the fledgling mainstream popularity of um uh, of of indie music of that kind and of um the discussion of male emotion in that way and that kind of introspection really helped solidify it. And the fact that it was led by someone who was a very popular individual and spearheaded by this very popular individual, it was lightning in a bottle, really. Yeah, it was in the right place at the right time and it ticked all the indie boxes. Yes, yeah. And and, and I don't think it's just luck. I think there was some genuine, well-crafted business reasons for this movie to reach that point at that moment. And And everyone involved in it, from the scripting to the... Uh, direction to to all of the marketing around it um the use of those songs in the soundtrack as well 
it was very well pitched and lots of people loved it. And I remember loads of people loving it at the time. Um, I was always a little bit, I don't know, I didn't love it as much as everybody else. And I, I watched it a few times around that time and thought, mm, it wasn't I one that I owned know. on DVD. No, no. Um, and I would always sort of be a bit hesitant about wanting to rewatch it. But it's one of those films where your your friends would put it on again because they loved it so much. Yeah, look at this bit. It's where they like scream on top of the garbage truck or whatever. Look at this bit. It's the guy from the Big Bang Theory, but he's a knight. Yes, but before, before pre Big Bang. Yeah. So when um, did that show start? God knows. I don't know if I want to know. <laughs> started in Age of Shite and ended <laughs> in Age of Shite. It really is a terrible show, but he seems like a nice man. <laughs> they all seem like fine individuals, don't they? You know, I don't, I don't like it, but I don't begrudge them the success they've had. No. Um, it seems like a fairly pleasant show in comparison to some other things that have been on. Yeah, um, this is true. But, uh, but yeah, it hasn't aged well, has it, Garden No. State? And what's really, really interesting is that this came out in the same year as Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which we talked about in our last episode. But it feels infinitely more dated, doesn't it? And part of that is, you know, it's not necessarily a fair comparison because Eternal Sunshine has really, really interesting content and is conceptually very, very different. But um, it just held up so well that going into this film from the same year, you think, how could those two films have been made at around the same time? It makes no sense almost. Yeah, and and it, it's again, it's a, it's kind of that point of how this movie was the perfect film for two thousand and four. Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind has longevity to it, so it felt like this outsider then, and it felt like this engaging, mysterious piece then. Whereas Garden State fitted in perfectly to that time period, and I think that's part of the reason why it hasn't lasted so well because it it hit that moment. But with being perfect for that moment becomes an immaturity that gets worse and worse as the years go on. Absolutely, yeah. And it's not to say that everything should have should aim as high as to have that longevity, but if it does, it's all the better for it. Because obviously, since then, we've reached much more of a peak in terms of men being emotionally constipated on screen and it being okay. And we've just had enough of it now, haven't we? And you can trace it all back to this and you just think, oh, right, okay. So this is one of the earlier examples of that in the 21st century that brought us a whole lot of other rubbish. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, the whole I'm a man and I don't know how to convey my emotions thing um, was, I, I don't know if it was refreshing in 2004, but it was, it was different from, you look at the other movies that were around back then that people were watching during that age bracket, and it was things like Anchorman and Dodgeball. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no one very... could have accused Ron Burgundy of being emotionally constipated. No, no, exactly. Whereas this was very much the reserved the reserved type. Um... I love Lamp. 2004 <laughs> in film. Shrek 2. That's good. Spider-Man 2. Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. The Passion Troy. of the Christ. I mean, <laughs> Troy. I don't mean think Girls, I've ever seen Troy. Mean Girls was 2004. Really? Yeah. I thought it was earlier than that. No, no, no. And again, Mean Girls holds up surprisingly well, doesn't it? Yes. Uh, you've got The Notebook. That was 2004. Yeah. 
Ryan Gosling um, in that again, not emotionally <laughs> constipated. He's willing to stand up and say, "I want to do this because I want you." Cue the, the tears. F- the Phantom of the Opera. We've been a very 2004 heavy podcast. The wow, last few episodes. <laughs> it's um, always sh- 2004 here. Shaun of the Dead, Napoleon Dynamite, Shark Tale. Ah, oh, what, what a classic! Um, <laughs> In which so- Martin Scorsese voices a shark of himself. <laughs> uh, Saw. Um, Kill Bill Volume 2 uh, Hellboy Howl's Moving Castle That's so good Which I know it's a bit of a a basic bitch boy answer but that's my favourite Studio Ghibli I don't think so at all, I think it's amazing It's got everything, it's got all the perfect Yeah, the animation is so beautiful but it's such a lovely story It's so accessible and the music's just wonderful too. It's just magical. It's yeah, it's, it's brilliant. Um, but yeah, so Garden State was the same year as as those. Um, and it's I don't know. It, like I, I I feel a little bit of vindication that you disliked it as much as I did this time around. But at the same time, I'm a little bit sad, and I I wonder. I'd, I'd quite like to reach out to people who really loved it at the time and see if they still like this movie or whether revisiting it, there's things that put them off. So so the the use of, of slurs happens quite a lot oh in this movie. God, it's and, terrible. And it's not done in a way that's kind of meant to portray people in, an, in a negative manner or, or supposed to make them feel like outdated. It's just done as a default, um, which wasn't okay back in 2004, and it's certainly not okay now. Yeah, like I'm pretty um, sure at, at that time I already knew not to really use the word retard because it was politically incorrect and insensitive. But yes. then the first time he meets her, she says it about 10 times and makes jokes about the character that he played on screen. And it's just, they're just thinking, oh, say, say it again, sure, keep digging that hole. Okay, there we go, there you go. Oh, she's digging that hole again and again. And she's talking like a nine-year-old. Yes, <laughs> um, definitely. Uh, and it's it does it does sour the movie quite a lot. But that's not the that's not even really the main issue with this movie. As as much as it is a problem, um, there, there's a lot of pacing issues, a lot of characterization issues, um, and I I don't feel as though that main relationship, the main sort of romance that drives this film actually works that well no i don't at all because you just think why is she acting like this why is she being like this weird child and why would she be interested in him the extremely deadpan zombie man and why would he be interested in her even it it doesn't make any sense and the more that their relationship develops which it does slightly you just think oh really and then suddenly he's going back to la and it's it's about to be over and then they're in the airport and there it is Yes, and and what's funny is that Zach Braff, um, the, the 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 will they won't they relationship between JD and Elliot, for instance, oh, in, in in Scrubs is so well done, and there's a lot of I was so invested in that. There's there's a lot of charisma in that relationship, and, and then I know he that, had so many other girlfriends, and you were just thinking, no, you're meant to be with her. <laughs> Come on, man. Until it reaches the end of the show where you're like, oh yeah, you're a bit of a jerk and you don't really deserve to be with her and then they get together. I think they get together at the end, don't they? Oh, Spoil- spoiler spoilers for Scrubs, everybody. 
Um, get, I don't think we need to worry about spoilers. Well, at the end of Scrubs. season fifteen, or whatever yeah, it was. <laughs> I think it made it. Was it ten seasons they made of Scrubs in the end? I think something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's 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 weird how, and I know that there's a very different feel to Garden State than there is to to Scrubs. But those kind of aspects of making a relationship interesting and and making that that frisson of of um of romance interesting and engaging to the audience they don't really change much from genre to genre um no but they it really doesn't work in garden state and and i think that's partly to do with the fact that the two the two actors don't really make the most of it um like i think zach braff is fine in this movie for the character he's playing he's supposed to be playing this asshole who grows to release that begrudging sort of hatred of his hometown and it, and accept that actually this might be the place that he belongs um and and i don't think they handle that second part as well but initially for the first half of it i think you do get that sense of you know he doesn't really want to be here but he has to be here yeah when it's um, more the little vignettes like the cop guy appears and then it's his to arrest him for driving his his motorcycle with a sidecar because why not? Because that's quirky. The co- the cop appears to arrest him and it's like, hey, I'm not going to arrest you. I'm your buddy from high school. All those little vignettes and the thing with his buddy, um, Peter Skarsgård, is it? He I, His character is the best and he comes across as like a genuinely nice friend and an interesting guy. And I'd much rather actually watch a movie about him. So all that stuff just about works, as you say, in the first half. But when it starts shoving the romance at you, you're just like, what? This incredibly dry film is continuing to sort of try to force these two dry people on me. And it's all very, very dry. Did you find it dry? It's incredibly dry. Um, I was so surprised by how extremely dry it is. And, you know, there's there's a good soundtrack and good incidental music and stuff. But so many of the scenes, all the acting is just so wooden and so deadpan. And you sort of get that they were trying to make that a comedy thing. But it just ends up being boring and lifeless. It felt yeah. really, really lifeless in a way that in 2004, I'm sure probably felt like, oh, yeah, it's great. It's mumblecore. It's this. It's a movement. It's an indie thing. That's a cool style that we all like. But now it's just like, it's dry as hell, man. Yeah. And I'd like to go back and revisit some of those classic mumblecore films or, or watch the ones that I never watched at the time and see if they hold up. Did you see the, the puffy chair? Yeah. that the, the dead guy's chair. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I think I remember seeing that. Um, there's one called Risk Cut as a Love Story, which I've heard is really good that I never got around to seeing as well. So maybe we should do a Mumblecore special in the new That'd year. That'd be cool. Because, yeah, the, those Duplass Brothers ones I generally like and I think probably still hold up. Yeah. Um, which, which yeah, I, I'd be interested to see how they fare um, with a completely, you know, different set of eyes, however many years yeah. down the road. Because this one doesn't really work. And I, I, I think it... You're completely right that the the Peter Sarsgaard friendship element um, works well. And I almost wish that this movie didn't have the romantic element. And instead it was about this guy coming home. He he left with these big dreams from a traumatic fa- like childhood family, partly. And I, I think the way that they explained what happened is quite an impactful scene because it's clear that it was this kid who never really had an understanding of what happened and and wasn't really able to to come to terms with it who left with all of the all of this ambition and that ambition hasn't worked out but how can he then return home to a place that he he 
he never felt at home in. Yeah, all of which is actually a very, very interesting and extremely emotional setup for a film. But all of that is just in service of his kind of his male deadpan arseholery. That it just ends up coming across very, very unsavory. Actually, when he's talking about this whole thing, where like when he was nine, he pushed his mother over over a broken dishwasher, and that left her a paraplegic. That's like really serious stuff. You can't just like drop that into a film for it to have that kind of purpose, can you? Or may- maybe you can if you're a real master of of screenwriting and of writing in general and putting together a, a plot and characterization and all this kind of stuff. But it felt to me like that was just in service of his very irritating character. And I was like, yeah, that's definitely a jerk thing to do. Yeah. I think, I think you cut out the romance. You focus more on the emotional side of returning to your hometown and you can build that in and make it really interesting. But when a lot of your plot is focused on a romance that doesn't really work and it's, oh, look at us, we're so quirky. I've got loads of animals. Hey, let's, oh, yeah. let's put on another Shin song. That'll I'm always it. killing hamsters. <laughs> like, Here's my quirky mum and my adopted African brother. That's not <laughs> problematic at all. And the thing is that you can do that in a way that's not problematic. Like Easy A, for instance, handled that incredibly well. Yeah. Um th- this does not and I just wish that there was that there's there's potential here. There really there really is potential here for it to have been a movie that could stand time. But it's it's a safe film and over time that safety has has caused it problems. Yeah. That that's a fair thing to say for sure. Um but yeah, I wanted more of the Peter Sarsgaard friendship. I think that could have been a real a, a, a real boon to this film if they focused on that because I, I also don't think that um that uh that the sort of the leads work well together um no and not at all uh, which is a shame because i like natalie portman obviously yeah she's really really I, good and I, it feels like she's demeaning herself playing this self-consciously kooky child woman. well I'm, I'm not sure how well she fares in films like this um where i mean for instance i don't really think that she's that great in Black Swan. I know that's a movie that a lot of people love and think her performance in it is great, but I feel is like... Is that because Black Swan is shit? <laughs> I wouldn't say Black Swan is shit. I think it's a good film. No, it's, to, it... to be fair, I haven't seen it since I saw it in the cinema and I just came out so dazed by the sort of crashing aesthetic of it that I'm not sure I really processed it's, it fully. It's got all the subtlety of a brick through the window, but I think sometimes movies can do that. You don't need to, you don't need to be subtle with your stuff. Um, yep. but but i think she's better in in big bold films than ones that are character pieces and i think it doesn't really work here um very well and so i think she really struggled with the material i think a lot more than zach braff did um which i which i don't think helped um but yeah it's it's a shame it's a shame in a way that i, I was hoping that i'd come to it now and think oh yeah i can see why all of those people at uni like this film so much, but I think I dislike it more than I did back then. Oh yeah, definitely. I think I was just not that bothered about it back then, but yeah, rewatching it was, was painful really. A lot of the scenes just don't really make a lot of sense. You just think, I don't care. I don't care about any of this. <laughs> He's an actor supposedly, but no one's seen any of his work apart from the kooky woman who he loves, who has seen him play a politically incorrect quarterback. No, a few people have seen that, haven't they? A few people mention it. Really? Yeah. Maybe I wasn't paying attention. It's, it's mentioned by a few people in the in the in 
in the uh, in the film um that he's that he's known for that role but obviously you know that's the only thing that he's known for um so i've just realized the time um we should probably move on to the less interesting movie to discuss we should can i just say that it's really really weird when they're on like towards the end him and his friend are are on like some kind of weird quest for something and it's not really clear what it is or really what's going on and suddenly they're in a hotel and like method man's there being a massive misogynist and you're just like what the fuck is going (laughs) on yeah i had no idea why that was happening that was genuinely awful. Yeah. What, what? When he's like, raise your hand if you just saw a tea. What the fuck, man? <laughs> no, even in 2004, that was not cool. Uh, it was It was so unbelievably stupid and it served, served nothing in the film. No. Um, so I'm going to round out this by just saying Garden State is a poor man's Elizabeth town. You want to yep. you want to watch a movie that does what Garden State does but better? Go and watch Elizabeth Town. You ignore with a much better cast. It, Elizabeth Town is also an extremely annoying film, I, but it has a much better you cast. Wash your mouth out. I love that <laughs> film, and I will I will stand Elizabeth Town till the end of time. Um, I feel I feel justice has been served by our. Even though I think a lot of people still think that Elizabeth Town ripped this film off because this film came about three years early. Oh, it yeah. was one year, which one is year. not the okay. which is not the time that a movie can be in production for. So they're in production at the same time. I, I'm sure that Cameron Crowe was stalking Zach Braff and trying to find out all of his secrets. Because Cameron Crowe definitely has nothing better to do than to stalk <laughs> Zach Braff. Um, yeah, yeah. Elizabeth Town so much better than this. Go and watch Elizabeth Town. You horrible people who listen to our podcast <laughs> you awful people what are you doing okay stop listening to us go and watch elizabeth down and then go listen to our episode about it yeah and then go listen which to was quite episode. early on it I think. was it was one of the early ones we covered um yeah. but now let's move on to wish i was here which i don't really have a lot to say to, about to be honest it was a really boring film i didn't hate it but i think i went in with such low expectations after seeing garden state and reading everything about about it and how just sort of not terrible but sort of bland it was and had this whole kickstarter thing and didn't did was a flop and didn't make its money back or whatever i just went into it expecting it to be awful and exactly like garden state and it's awful that i was pleasantly surprised when it wasn't yeah it's that doesn't mean that it's good but i didn't hate it it's not like garden state at all really is it it's got the same kind of man coming to terms with a failing acting career (laughs) i think it's at first you're just like come on it's it's another failing actor. It's an older version, except this time he's got kids. But actually, the kids were kind of the best part about it. I think they actually did quite well, and the the burgeoning of him actually stepping up and sort of being a proper da- dad and having a nice relationship and taking them on adventures. That was the nice parts. Those were the nice moments. I thought. Yes, yeah, for sure. And um, shout out to the two kid actors as well. So Joey King is really really good. Um, who who played the daughter in this? She's in The Conjuring. Oh, right. Um, yeah. And I think has a pretty good career ahead of her. She's been in some interesting stuff, also some absolute. I think she's done quite a lot already. She's done an awful she? lot already. Some of it is terrible. Like Wish Upon is a great movie uh, if you want a terrible horror film. Terrible title. Uh, it's it's uh, basically it's like one of those monkey paw stories, but it's this magic box where if you wish for something, then you'll get it. But also something terrible will happen at the same time. Also, it's like goosebumps. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but but most recently, um, she's been in um, the uh, the TV series that's based on the story of um, 
Gypsy Rose Blanchard, which I don't know if you right. know at all. No. Um, so um, have a look at it. We won't go into it in too much detail here, um, but it's this quite grim story about this mother who has Munchausen's by proxy and who basically makes her daughter believe that she's um she's got all of these kind of serious illnesses um and then when the daughter finds out that she doesn't they sort of go along with this act for a while because it's kind of being done to to get sympathy and to get money and things like that um it's this very twisted family dynamic um and eventually she has this secret boyfriend and they conspire to murder the mother and it's this really interesting, very, very interesting real world case of um, Munchausen's by proxy that kind of, uh, I think it all came around a few years ago. Um, it became this really interesting talking point uh, across a lot of media sites. Um, and they've made this very, very good, apparently very, very good uh, TV series around it that she's in um, where she right. plays the daughter. Sounds um, good. Yeah. So, so I haven't seen it, but I've heard good things. So go and check that out. I, I'd recommend it. Cool. Yeah, she's good. Josh Gad. Oh, what a surprise. Playing a fat nerd. <laughs> it's just a shame because I really like him. Yeah, I think he's good. Indeed. I've seen him in a lot of things where he's good. But um, yeah, least of all as LeFou to Luke Evans as Gaston, which is one of the greatest cinematic performances of the 21st century, obviously. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> but yeah, and this is just like, oh, what a surprise. He's playing a lazy fat nerd. Yep. Uh, Kate Hudson as well. Shout out to Kate Hudson. Yeah, she's great. What's she doing in this? <laughs> I don't know. She should be in something better than this. Yeah. Playing a woman who genuinely is written to like support her husband's dream of being an actor, even though like they have two kids and they, they can't pay their um private school private Jewish school fees anymore and where is them? And she just smiles through it all. But but I think I think that's doing it a bit of a disservice. I think they do discuss it. You know, at, at first, because it's all done through his perspective and he sees it as, you know, oh, she's doing this job that she doesn't mind. But in reality, it's actually this very, very soul-destroying work. And they do have that discussion about how she's had to give up her dreams. And when he says, oh, why don't you try and do something else? She says, I can't because I'm the one supporting our family. But that's the thing. They have that discussion. But then a few scenes later, she's talking to Mandy Patinkin about how she wants to support his dream or whatever. And you're just like, it's like as if that conversation never happened. But but at the end, don't you get that feeling that it's been, it's been resolved that he's going to go and have this more steady work teaching. Yeah. And, but also she conveniently gets a year's salary payout because her colleague sexual harassed her. Yes. Which is, which is, which very, is very convenient. But at the same time, I feel like they do by having that discussion, they do an awful lot more than a lot of films about this subject matter do. Yeah, where a, a, a lot of these kind of films are just like, oh, the silly actors at it again, all oh, the all the all the inconsiderate husband or the wacky dad who can't handle his kids. Yeah, classic. At least here, they're they're having that discussion, which I think is worth pointing out as a positive. As, as yeah, as as this this movie doesn't do a lot new, and I think that's the problem that I had with it is it's safe. Yes, nothing nothing here took me by surprise, and I think that's why I got quite bored of it. But it's at least it had that discussion. At least there was some moments in it that were interesting. It, 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 I feel like this is a better film than Garden State. Oh, absolutely. And I don't know whether it's that's just because it, it was made a decade later. Um, but it, it feels much more mature. It does, yeah. I'd say that's fair. It looks nicer. It sounds nicer. Overall, the characters feel... 
it isn't dry like Garden State. It isn't deadpan. It feels much more involved from a characterization point of view, even though a lot of the time it's a bit sort of hackneyed. Yeah, it's it's still got a fair few cliches in it. I don't know the yeah. point of the weird CGI. There's still a very unsavory the... joke about P. Diddy p diddy adopting white kids which is totally unnecessary yeah yeah and there's the odd moment like that um which feels a bit like mm, i'm not sure whether edgy humor works in films like this you know yeah that's the thing i didn't laugh once in this film all of the bits that were supposed to be funny weren't funny but all of the bits that were supposed to be tender were nice there was one bit that i did laugh at um which was when they're trying out for that role and they're surrounded by black actors and one of them says oh i i played othello and they all say yeah we all did and 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 i thought that was very funny because it does point out that like if you're if you're a black actor there are only specific things that you're allowed to do within that space yeah you know and i thought i thought that was an that was an that was an interesting little joke and i thought that was quite funny um, but overall, I, th- I agree the the comedy element of it didn't really work that well. No. Um, which and I- like, since becoming a parent, I have no time for bad parents on screen. It's not funny. <laughs> Don't be a dick. <laughs> I know it's easy to say when my, when my son's a baby who can't can't talk and can't pick up drills or whatever. But like, so you're you're, yeah. you're telling me that that baby Eric's never gonna um, you're not gonna allow him to swear. To, no, of course I'm going to allow him to swear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he, he can swear all he wants. I don't care. They're just words. I did see a, a very uh, funny video online the other day of this baby who couldn't pronounce the word cow and instead was pronouncing it as the other well-known C word, <laughs> um, <laughs> which was very, very funny. Christmas. Um, <laughs> Christmas. Pointing, about, pointing yeah. at a field of Christmases. A Christmas cow. A Christmas cow. Um, yeah. Charles Dickens' lesser novel about farmyard animals. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so the, I don't know. I, 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 this film bored me. And I, I, I didn't really feel as though it had much, uh, much content, much, much anything solid behind it. It's like a little no. whisper in the wind. Like, you knew that it was just going to lumber inevitably towards Mandy Patinkin dying, and then after that, everything was sort of going to be okay. Yeah, and then it was. Yeah, it. And then Jim Parsons pops up again to give him a teaching gig. What a nice man! That's very nice of him. Yeah, he comes across as a very nice young chap. Indeed, indeed. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, for a movie that was crowdfunded, when something gets crowdfunded, you expect it to take risks or do something very specific that the audience wants that the current uh, funding sort of model doesn't allow for. Yeah, because it was like he couldn't get this through the studio, apparently. But I honestly think, why not? It's a safe movie. Yeah, this... Stars were attached to it, but maybe they weren't until after he started crowdfunding it. I don't know. I don't know what the process was. Yeah, it feels as though I don't know why nobody would pick this up because it seems like a perfectly safe, perfectly fine film for for this kind of audience. Um, whereas you think about crowdfunding projects, you want it to be strange things or or classic things that no one wants to pick up with a with a barge pole. So from a video game perspective, it's things like old fashioned role playing games or old fashioned horror games. Um, you know, things that are just niche. Yes, public publishers don't want to pick them up, so people crowdfund them, and then lo and behold, there's actually an audience for them out there, and they find a way to make it. Whereas this, I don't know, there's always an audience for this kind of thing, isn't there? 
Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I was I was baffled by that whole thing. Or again, by it seeming like, is this really your passion project? And I guess I kind of felt that about Garden State as well, actually. I was like, this is it. This is your heart and soul. And your heart and soul is dry and deadpan and emotionally constipated. And I, I can understand Garden State a little bit more because, again, it was that that mainstream popular mumblecore. Yeah, and, and now we're past that. And and it was, a, uh, I guess, more of a bold move for someone like Zap Braff yeah. to make that and now rather we're past than that. Dodgeball 2. Hey, you've been, you're that funny guy from that TV show. Can we throw balls at your testicles and we'll, we'll put in some funny sound effects and get Smash Mouth to do the soundtrack? I would watch that film for sure. <laughs> it's funny in Garden State when he's been to a party and then he has the word balls drawn on his face. I enjoyed that. Yes. Yeah, that was funny. And I, I think that one moment where the, in the night armor he just walks past out of nothing is, is very funny. Yeah, there's a couple of juxtapositions there that are funny, but they're few and far between, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, this movie is fine, I guess. Yeah, it's just, uh, there are a couple of nice moments. And it grew on me as well, is the other thing. But maybe that was just because I had such low expectations, it's really hard to know. But overall, after when I got about halfway through, I started to think, okay... Maybe I do care a little bit about the kids and about whether they whether they're having fun or not, and about whether Mandy Patinkin gets his ice cream. Maybe I do care about that. <laughs> that is the most important thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. This movie is better than Garden State, but I still probably won't watch it again. Oh no, no. I don't, I will hopefully never return to either of these films. No. Yeah, Garden State. I'd say don't watch. <laughs> Whereas this one, I'd be like, maybe if you really have nothing else to watch and it's on, you know, get on it. But Christmas 24 is on now, so you've got no excuse. <laughs> That's all you need to do. Just just pop that on. Yeah. So, yeah. And so, But in the intervening 10 years, it was clear that Zach Braff had matured a little bit, which you would expect. Um, in fact, it kind of really does feel like a 10 years later film, doesn't it? Yeah, maybe, you know, it could have had old... Um... Natalie Portman in it and made a direct Garden State sequel. Yeah. It's them 10 years down the line. They've got kids. They're living their kooky life. He's still a struggling actor. She does, I don't know, whatever the hell she does. His dad, Bilbo Daddins, is still around. (laughs) Bilbo Daddins. Yeah. That film would be terrible. (laughs) Garden State 2. The Garden Strikes Back. (laughs) Two Garden, Two State. No, Garden States. Garden States. That's of what they course. call it. <laughs> They'll go down the alien aliens route. Yeah. And they go they go on like a road trip through all of the Garden States, which is every state, because they've all got gardens in them. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so it's just an annoying road trip movie of two people who enjoyed the, enjoyed it when they were young and kooky, but now that they're middle aged hate each other. I'd watch that actually. I would. Yeah, I would. I would genuinely watch that. Zach Braff. Zach Braff. We know you. I'm sorry. Every week. I'm sorry. We've been mean to you a little bit in this podcast. Yeah. I do. Sorry. I. I still have a place in my heart for you. We love you, really. Scrubs was great. So, how's about it? Rather than making another Chicken Little film, which I know was on the cards. <laughs> um, <laughs> why don't you? Why don't you? Uh, why don't you make Garden States? Garden States. It's got to happen. Yeah, I think that would be good. Yeah, I don't think he's got much else on. 
He played himself in The Disaster Artist, and that was his most recent film role. Oh, The Disaster Artist. He's turned up in Bojack Horseman as well as himself. Oh, really? Yeah. I still haven't seen all of that. I need to catch up. I watched the first few seasons and loved it. I think I just kind of dropped off. It's, yeah, it's a very interesting film, uh, film series. Film show. Um, film show. <laughs> because it people seem to, people immediately associated with Bojack Horseman and saw him as this hero character to be loved. And that's clearly not what they were going for. So with every series, they've been kind of going, no, this guy's a jerk. Um, but much he's in... the kind of jerk that you are compelled by, and that's the interesting thing about it. Uh, but he, you know, he's a very, very complex character. There's so much going on, and so much depth, and so many layers. And it's a lot easier to get that across in a TV, in many seasons of a TV show, and to build that over that time. But it's still worth thinking about in terms of what you could lend to the idea of a character who is a male selfish jerk who you want people to be compelled by on film. Yes, um, and I what they've done basically what what they've done in Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which Lesson is number one, make them a horse, which <laughs> which is is make them continually worse so that the audience can't identify them with, with them in the same way, because you you look at what's what's failed about um, South Park, for instance, South Park basically made Eric Cartman into the hero and you can there's this immediate drop off in South Park as being this dumb but abrasive satire that has a place into being tedious shock jokes and it falls immediately after they stopped making Cartman the butt of the jokes and made him the protagonist of the show mm, yeah um and you look at always sunny and they've always made sure that when the gang are doing something awful you are laughing at them. You're never laughing with them. Yeah. And there's very rarely those moments where you sympathize with them because they are awful human beings and you recognize from the word go that they're all awful human beings. That's what's and, so good about it. It's so much of it is just bad stuff really, really happen, happening all the time, but it never feels mean-spirited. And that's such a difficult but brilliant thing to do. Yes, exactly. And Bojack Horseman does the same thing where... Uh, and, and i appreciate you haven't watched it all but what starts off as being this this depressed horseman who's a jerk you see actually the more monstrous side of his personality and the fact that yes he's trying to surface value trying to change but is he really and should they be repercussions for the things that he's done and and that's the really interesting thing about the the, sh the show as a whole um which is why Bojack is so interesting and why I wish that we were going to get more of it. But this is the last series, which is very sad. Uh, all good things must come to an end. Yes, yes. Um, Go quit while you're ahead. Well, this, this was not their decision, apparently. It was oh, Netflix's really? decision. Yeah. That's strange. Yeah, must be one of their top shows. It is. I will tell you about the theories behind why when we're not talking about it on a podcast in case we get sued. <laughs> Because Netflix, I know you listen every week. I know Netflix listens every week. Yes, I'll, I'll drop you a Netflix. message. I'll drop you a message afterwards. Yeah, we'll it. we'll DM. We'll sort it out. Yeah, we'll sort it out. Um, but anyway, yeah, that was welcome to the BoJack Horseman cast, everybody. Sorry, sorry. Right. Um, have we got anything else to say about these Zap Braff films, or should uh, we move on to uh, scoring them? No, I think overall, Garden State. This is sum up. It it doesn't hold up. It's boring. It's dry. It's male. It's just bleh. It's yeah. Really doesn't hold up and is not worth your time. 
Wish I was here. Ten years on, slightly more mature and enjoyable. Some nice moments, some nice montages, some nice Mandy Patinkin. Ultimately, still pretty boring, and a lot of it doesn't really fit together that well. But it's it's possible and a lot better than Garden State in context. Yes, yeah, I I agree with all of that. I'd be interested if aud- uh, audience who loved Garden State back in the day, if you can bring yourself to watch it and have the possibility of you not enjoying the movie as much when you were younger um do let us know what you think on a rewatch and whether it does still hold up because for us it's not but you know if you're one of those people that really loved it at the time it may well be different and you still have that it still has that power behind it that you saw that we didn't necessarily see so i'd be um, very interested to know how nostalgia factors into that Yes, yeah, or whether you know what we what we missed about it at the time, whether whatever we missed still holds true, um, to 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 sets of eyes now. Yeah, um, yeah. So let us know. So how are we gonna how are we gonna score these bad boys? Uh, let's see, Garden State. How many for how many seconds are you going to scream on top of a garbage truck wearing a bin bag? Yeah, so it's gonna be a gonna be a solid eight seconds for me. Solid eight. I I think that's that's quite high. Actually, I was expecting lower. I don't think I'm just, I'm going to give it a six, and I think that's a, that's generous. Oh, we've got some criticism here. Today. Yeah, it, it was a really yeah, just not an enjoyable experience for you watching it. it so dry. Yeah, I I didn't enjoy it, but I, there was moments of it that I thought worked quite well with the friendship element, which uh, you know I still I think has a place, and the odd moment of good visual sort of direction yeah i give it that eight for me eight for me cool cool um wish i was here how should we rate that how many times do you randomly become a cgi spaceman for no reason oh yeah i quite enjoyed those scenes actually i thought that was kind of funny i don't know why they were there i have no idea i have no idea why we're there um to say we spent a little bit of our quite limited budget on visual effects guys because we can afford to do those even though we don't have a studio Uh, let's see i'll give it a nine yeah so i'll go with a nine as well i don't think it's even quite a bon jovi is it no it's it's i enjoyed it more than garden state but it was still very dull and it didn't really grasp my attention that much um but good acting from i suppose everybody did their job the the two kids were impressive yeah um but it didn't really have anything to pull you in there was no real message to convey that really really worked well no and the title doesn't make sense (laughs) no i i hate the title yeah and i hate the the, like weird medieval font on the title sequence that made absolutely no sense at all (laughs) i wanted it to turn into a folk horror movie halfway through just just twigs and demons everywhere mandy patinkin rises out of his hospital bed puts on his cloak and there it goes <laughs> i'd watch that yeah. i'd definitely watch that and zach um, braff's like you killed my father and then he's like no my name is inigo montoya you killed my father prepare to die <laughs> i'd love it i'd love it i'd watch that yeah um so yeah. trivia time i guess yep yep so we'll, we'll pick a little bit a little bit here um, so, so this was based partly on Zach Braff's own childhood in New Jersey, as well as his days as a struggling actor in Los Angeles before the success of Scrubs. 
um, which probably doesn't come as much of a surprise. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, um, you do surprise me. Um, uh, something a little bit more surprising. Method Man was nervous about saying titties in front of Natalie Portman. <laughs> That's one of the best trivias we've had on this Which podcast. Which uh, surprises me. He doesn't strike me as a man who would be nervous about saying the word titties. No, he certainly does not. But maybe he's really a gentleman. Who knows? Yeah. Um, Zach Braff is in every scene. No shit, Sherlock. <laughs> Again, that does not, does not uh, come uh, as much of a surprise. Um, the motorcycle is a Ukrainian motorcycle. Okay. As well. Just to um, and, make it even more self-consciously <laughs> kooky. And the dead hamster was a real taxidermied hamster. Oh, that's unnecessary. <laughs> Should have just bought a toy one. Could have gotten any old ball of fluff. They all look the same. <laughs> How dare I'm, you? I'm going to be accused of hamster racism. You, <laughs> what, I hope talked before on the show about how i hate hamsters do you hate hamsters how are you gonna feel hamsters when, when you when your young child wants to get a hamster he's not getting a hamster why not because i'll tell him exactly why hamsters are bad and then i'll let him make up his own mind but you know he's an intelligent guy he's gonna he's gonna work it out they why are, why are hamsters they sleep so bad? they sleep all day if you wake them to try and play with them or pick them up they bite you and then they make noise all night and then they stink they're really irritating. <laughs> You've had very poor experiences with hamsters. I certainly have. But they're nocturnal. We're diurnal. It's not going to work. I I had two hamsters and I had really fond experiences with both of them and I'd never been bitten by a hamster. They never they never bit you? No, they never bit me because Didn't I Didn't make them. noise running around in their wheels at night? No, not really. Didn't eat their wheels, which one of mine did. No, never ate its wheel. Literally ate its entire plastic wheel. Did you have a Syrian or a it Russian hamster? It might have been hamster? a gerbil. Actually, I had a gerbil as well. Maybe it was uh, the gerbil was that the ate gerbil. the wheel. Anyway, I had some fucked up hamsters. Yeah, you clearly had terrible hamsters. Yeah. Well, my dad's partner's kids had hamsters. One ate the other one. They, yeah, they, they do um, They like one disappeared one day. They're looking around for it. Can't find it. Can't find it. Two days later, the one remaining coughs up a ball of bones. <laughs> <laughs> like that's some horror movie shit that, that i don't teaches, need that in my son's life that teaches the kids important lessons though don't the trust anyone <laughs> do not trust your closest friends but hamsters aren't really that they're not social creatures no they're not they um they don't do well when put together but um, they don't want to socialize with humans either well mine did i had some very friendly hamsters oh, I, I didn't believe it Prove i it. did i did oh chip Chip was a great hamster. I bet he hated you, really. He loved me. He'd sit on me and just snuggle up. Did he ever piss on you? No, he never pissed on me. Bollocks. I bet he pissed <laughs> on you all the time. They're incontinent. <laughs> no, that's mice. No, aren't hamsters the same? No, they're not. They're, certain rodents are, like mice are. So mice are constantly leaving a trail of piss wherever they go, yeah. which is why it's very, very important to... Um, to make sure that if you have a, a mouse problem, you get it sorted very quickly because it's very unhygienic. Yeah, it was a but big others, problem for Walt Disney in the early days. It, it was because he was just trying to pin these big ears onto real mice and they were but just he, pissing everywhere. They used to call him the piss man. <laughs> that, that's what that's what the Disney logo looks is, is actually. It's just pissney. Yeah, Walt Pissnep. Walt Pissnep. <laughs> um, pissnep but, uh, but no there's there's other rodents that don't so rats don't have that problem hamsters don't have that problem i don't know about gerbils gerbils might have the same thing as mice um but yeah there there are ones that 
are not incontinence, basically. Well, um, anyway, the incontinence of rodents aside, hamsters are bad. Let's move on. <laughs> Mate, no. I'm, I'm, <laughs> fact, fact check is in order. Fact check UK. Oh, are hamsters bad? <laughs> uh, I'm afraid that we found that you are incorrect, Paddy. And again, you're going to have to... You're going uh, to hell. You're going to have to make an apology, a formal apology to the hamster-loving community. I'm sorry. I'm just going to do a Jeremy Corbyn and dig my heels in and conflict and pretend that my political party doesn't have a hamster problem. <laughs> um, by the way, hamsters have moods. Hamsters have good moods and bad moods, scientists have found. Bollocks. They have one mood, which is, I just woke up and I'm livid and I'm going to bite you. Also, hamsters can learn their names, apparently. What? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think ham- you're doing hamsters a disservice here. Yes, I am. And I'd do it again, I tell you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they're, um, they're great. But it's animals. Christmas. Let's, you know, the season of goodwill. For one month only, I, I will welcome hamsters into my heart, but not into my home. You fucking bastard. <laughs> <laughs> what if little baby Jesus the hamster? What if Jesus was a hamster and you were turning him away from your home? Then what I'd if it end was up going to hell, wouldn't I? What if it was Joseph and Mary, but they had a hamster with them, and they were like, and she's like, I just gave birth to this hamster. <laughs> no, they did not give birth to the hamster. But but what if they were there and they were like, oh, we need a place to stay overnight. I'm pregnant. There's nowhere else for me to turn. It's just you, me, Joseph, and my pet hamster. You'd be all like, you Get can out. stay, but the hamster goes. <laughs> yeah. Look, it's me or the hamster. That's I a just, new reality show on TLC. It's me or the hamster. Yeah. Um, yeah, hamsters are great. Uh, that's the, tr- the, true, the true meaning of this episode. Hamsters, they're great. Yeah. Better than Garden State. Garden State or hamsters, which is worse. <laughs> oh, I can't dear. answer that, genuinely. I, I can. Hamsters are good. Garden State's bad. <laughs> um. Yeah, so, right. Um, but anyway, it's, 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 it's Christmas. Christmas. Season of goodwill. It Peace is. Peace on earth, goodwill to all hamsters, etc. So, which of which Christmas film shall we watch first? Mate, you know there's only one option I was going to choose for this, right? A Christmas Prince 3, The Royal Baby. No, I was going to allow you to choose that, because I'm going for The Night Before Christmas, a.k.a. Uh, the one... With a K. Yes, the one yes. with the medieval knight who's transported to the present day. Of course I'm watching that. And it's not Jim Parsons from Garden State in his knight costume. <laughs> it is not, no. no. Um, so we're watching that next. I hope oh, you're it, ready is, for oh, it. It's on the Netflix. It's it a, is on the Vanessa Netflix. Hudgens. She, she's yeah. just lovely. She was wonderful in that one last year with the guy from Nashville. I love yeah, that. And, and I'm this sure this will got, be even better. This guy's got a guy from Poldark in it. Oh, right. This guy doesn't look like a poor man's Heath Ledger. Number four <laughs> in the UK today, it says. Oh, no, it's playing the trailer music really loud. Oh, jeez. I hate computers. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've got we've got some Poldark love. We've got some Vanessa Hudgens love. We've got some medieval English knight love. What's not to love? Exactly. So that's what we've got next for you all. I'm really excited for Christmas this year, and especially all these great Christmas films on Netflix. I think this yes. is going to be the best year ever for all this stuff. Yes, definitely. Yeah. 
really up for that. All right. Okay. So anything else to share before we, we round this off? No, no. I think that's all good. We need to go and get on watching our Christmas films. So yeah. Thanks a lot for tuning in, everyone. Hope you enjoyed Garden State or Wish I Were Here. If you did watch them or managed to sort of, you know, deal with the nostalgia you might have had for Garden State or whatever, any, anything like that, we want to know. Get in touch. Emails, bigboysdon'tcrypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, tweet at bigboysdon'tpod. We want to hear about you and Zach Braff. What have you and Braff been up to? Tell us. <laughs> yeah, what have you been up to? Let yeah. us know. Did you ride in his sidecar? Did you have to bury a hamster? Yeah. Have you ever shouted into a storm? Yeah. I have. <laughs> Many times. Many times. I mean, by which I mean we do this podcast every week. <laughs> and that is what we're doing. Shouting into the storm. <laughs> but yeah, thanks for tuning in. We really, really appreciate it. Tell your friends if you like what we do. Give us a, give us a rating. Give us a review. Share it. Share the love. It's Christmas. Yeah, it's it's Christmas time. Podcasts and wine. Yeah. Paddy's <laughs> singing Christian rhymes. Yep. Logs on the fire, hamsters in the cage. Time to rejoice. Hamsters give me the rage. <laughs> that was Cliff Richard's song. Originally. Oh. He's a hamster hater as well. There's another reason why hamsters are great, is that they infuriate Cliff Richard. <laughs> yep. That's all that you look for in a pet. It is. Is it going to annoy Cliff? If it does, I'm on it. My my cat would make Cliff Richard furious. Yeah. She'd go up to him and try to meow the Lord's Prayer. He'd be having none of it. (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) Uh, All right. Thanks a lot for tuning in. We'll be back next week to talk about the night before Christmas. (laughs) All right. Bye-bye. Bye. They're all of me alone. Lord have mercy, how she